What's up, Ken folks? Welcome to the number one ranked show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or listening wherever it is you get your podcast. But if you are watching on YouTube, you know I started out on YouTube, and it is very important to me that you hit that subscribe button. Today, I want to talk about Alabama. I also want to talk about the top portal entries remaining, as there's been lots of movement on that front. I want to talk a little bit about the NFL draft and talk about what I think are the best quarterbacks in a very weak quarterback draft. But let's get started with Alabama, okay? So the day that we are recording this, Jamison Williams declared for the NFL draft. And this is very interesting because John Mechie has not. I thought Mechie would have been the first of the two to decide that he was going to the NFL draft, but we'll wait and see on this. And this is interesting because Williams' greatest asset is his 4-3 speed. He blew out his ACL in the national championship game against Georgia. I will be interested to see how NFL teams evaluate Jamison Williams going into the next three months because Jamison Williams is the number one wide receiver available in this draft. Ohio State fans, I understand. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. But neither one of those dudes can run like this dude, okay? John Mechie is not the best wide receiver in this class, though he's a top 10 wide receiver. It'll be interesting to see if he wants to come back and rehab and be the number one once again at Alabama as he was the number one at Alabama this year with 96 catches. Williams, 79 catches, 1,600 yards, was a big play dude, and you could see both of those guys had their roles in the offense, and Bryce Young and, quite frankly, Alabama, missed both of them in their carved roles. Mechie being your possession guy, your short, fast dude that he's not Tyreek Hill, but he plays that position. You understand what I'm saying? He could play in the slot for you in the NFL and really do a lot of work there. Uh, I think of him as a supercharged Julian Edelman if they if you're that type, or perhaps uh, a supercharged Chris Godwin if you're that type. I'm also really interested to see what this means for Alabama and how they choose to condition in the offseason because, you know, little inside college football here the strength coach is the dude that usually gets called onto the carpet when you have ACL injuries especially when you have the same type of injuries to the same type of player right so knowing that Mechie and Williams uh uh, blow out their ACLs in more or less three games apart you're going to want to take a look at that if you are Nick Saban. The other thing you're going to want to take a look at is what is your wide receiver group looking like? I wrote about this at FoxSports.com. Holman Wiggins has built a reputation as Alabama's wide receiver coach among the best, if not the best, in the sport at doing it. I think it's him and Dennis Simmons, who's now at USC. Holman Wiggins developed Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, and now Mechie and Williams. Between him and Nick Saban, you could say the wide receiving court has been the strongest position for Alabama outside of their quarterback position. And you might even say it was better than their quarterback position or even their offensive line position. I think the only comps here are like Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley in developing quarterbacks. So seeing how he develops Ja'Cory Brooks, seeing how he develops Ajay Hall, seeing how he develops Trace on Holden, these are all things that I'm very interested in as I think Alabama is going to have a hard time with its wide receiving core in crunch time next year if the, they can't develop those dudes into the kind of players they need to be because 
those guys were dropping passes in the national championship game, and those are passes they got to hold on to. Like if Ajay Hall makes a catch here, Trayshawn Holden makes a catch here, Ja'Cory Brooks makes a catch here, you're probably still in that game late, and you don't get your butt kicked in the fourth quarter of the national championship game. All right. I want to talk a little bit about Bama's other deficient position, which I think is corner right now. Look, Jay Valai announced the day after the national championship game. He is the new co-defense coordinator, nickel, and cornerback coach at Oklahoma. Alabama fans might not think that is such a loss given how their corners played in the national championship game. Kool-Aid McKinstry got stirred like somebody found an extra cup of sugar. George Pickens was eating him up. Kyrie Jackson, who was the former number one junior college cornerback in the country, also got ate up by Georgia wide receivers. Josh Job, who began the season as the number one corner at Alabama, will enter the NFL draft. I think this is an interesting spot for Nick Saban to find a great corner and or defensive backs coach because he is a defensive back, right? He's a defensive backs coach. And I think Carl Scott, who's late of the Minnesota Vikings staff, might actually be interested in that job once again. He's been up for a number of jobs. I think if you can lure him back to Alabama, perhaps you're talking about another Pat Sertan II, right? You're getting back to developing the kind of corners that nobody wants to throw at, whereas I felt the last three to four games of the season, everybody was going at Alabama's corners, and we're just not used to that. We're not used to seeing Jordan Battle not be in control back there at the safe position. So I'll be interested to see what they do about that and how they accommodate for talented cornerbacks but not experienced cornerbacks and how much hands-on Nick Saban has when we're talking about developing his defense backs and corners. Or maybe they move Brian Branch or Malachi Moore out. But I, oh, I need to add this. Alabama fans are yelling at me right now. Elias Ricks is transferring from LSU to Alabama. Eli Ricks, one of the great corners, slot corners, defensive backs in 2022 in college football. It's a boon for them to get him. I think he's going to take one of those spots either from Kyrie Jackson or Jaquincy McKinstry, who both of those dudes might not actually be starting next year. We'll see. But yes, Eli Ricks is going to certainly help you with the loss of a Josh Job there. Okay. Now, another question I have after the season has ended has to do with Ohio State and Ohio State's receiving court, quite honestly. I mentioned earlier, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson declared for the NFL draft. Chris Olave actually came back last year when he could have been eligible, probably been a first-round pick, and decided to play one more year and try to get to a national championship game. Didn't go that way. Garrett Wilson declares before the Rose Bowl. So the question wasn't who's the number one. It's Jackson Smith and Jigba, who was the best wide receiver for Ohio State last year, even as he was not the number one wide receiver at Ohio State last year. He just played a different position. He's playing in the slot. And then, of course, he set a record for most receiving yards in a bowl game with 347 against Utah in what I thought was the best bowl game of the season, quite honestly. And the guys that can help him out that I think are going to step up for the losses of Olave and Wilson have to be Marvin Harrison Jr., who tied the Rose Bowl record for most receiving touchdowns in a game with three. And Julian Fleming, who is a former number one overall wide receiver for the class of 2020. You also have Emeka Egbuka, 
who was the number one overall receiver for the class of 2021. All three of those dudes are back at Ohio State and are going to join JSN in that receiving course. Just about which one of those guys is going to ascend to those top two spots because we know from three years, four years of Ryan Day and that offense that it's really a three-receiver system where they kind of sort of throw the ball to the tight end and they kind of sort of throw the ball to the running backs. But mostly it's three receivers and really two of them are going to get most of the targets. Jackson Smith and Jigba was just doing so much and so great in the slot that he exceeded expectations in many ways. And I need to add this. The number one wide receiver in the 2022 NFL draft, as I mentioned, is Jameson Williams. Jamison Williams was battling Jackson Smith and Jigba for snaps in 2020. That is how you should view Jackson Smith and Jigba. You should view him as the number one wide receiver heading into the 2022 season until such a time as somebody else usurps him, okay? That's how good they are at Ohio State. I also think that Travion Henderson is going to get his touches and quite honestly is going to be a threat in the passing game, swing passes, in the flat, on releases, because he's going to have that year in the system and year as a starter. There is no master Teague for him to contend with. Mayan Williams, meatball, pork chop, whatever he wants to be called now, he's probably going to be the spell back there. I expect Travion Henderson to take on a larger role along with Jackson Smith and Jigba in 2022 as it's, it's C.J. Stroud's team now. Uh, there's there's no quarterback controversy in the way that there was last year, even as they added Devin Brown, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. All right, who will the NFL say is QB1 in the 2022 NFL draft? I have not been shy about this. I don't believe this is a great quarterback draft class. Like 2018, we were all just over the moon with dudes that were available. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen. Lamar Jackson. Turns out, two of those dudes are pretty good. And they're the two that nobody thought were going to be any good. I say that. I thought Lamar Jackson was going to be good. And I'm sure you thought Lamar Jackson was going to be good. But you didn't know that he was going to be only the second ever unanimous MVP in the history of the league, dog. Him and Tom Brady. That's it. All right? And the other one is Josh Allen, which is where many of these dudes slot for the 2022 draft, okay? So let's start with five of these guys. We're going to start at number five. And the first one's got to be Desmond Ritter for me. Now, Desmond Ritter is six foot four, and he can run. But his mechanics suck, okay? This is a dude whose arm and legs do not work in concert, whose throwing slot is too low because he got balls batted down against Alabama that a guy of his size should not have batted down at all. And quarterback wins is not a stat. Or I should say wins is not a quarterback stat. So don't tell me about the 41 games that he won at Cincinnati because I would point to the Cincinnati defense and Luke Fickle, who should be getting the credit for that. The other thing that I think is interesting about a guy like Desmond Ritter is somebody's going to draft him in the first round. We know this because the NFL reaches. And we've seen the NFL reach time and time again on quarterbacks because it's just that kind of position. It's really, really, really hard to play NFL quarterback at a high level. That's why there are so many guys that seem to wash out or seem like they have just learned what a football is and how to play football, even though they've been playing football all their lives at quarterback. 
And I can go through a list of them. Check this out. These are first-round picks just since 2011, so the last 10 years. Blaine Gabbert went number 10, right, in the 2011 draft. Two picks later, Christian Ponder went number 12 to the Vikings. Same draft, 2012, RG3 goes to the Washington football team at number two, right? Brandon Weeding at 22 to the Browns, 2013. EJ Manuel goes to the Bills in the first round. Blake Bortles in 2014. Johnny Manziel in 2014. That's two years after they drafted Brandon Weeding, guys. 2016, you remember Paxton Lynch? That dude went number 26 to Denver. And then 2018, Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen, both one of those dudes is absolutely not a starting quarterback in the NFL, and the other one probably won't be for very much longer. 2019, Dwayne Haskins, washed out, period. Started with Washington, washed out at Pittsburgh. And then 2020, Jordan Love. We've seen enough of Jordan Love to know you'd much rather have Aaron Rodgers over there, and also you might not end up with Jordan Love as your starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Of the 60 quarterbacks picked in the first round since 2000, only 25 have made the Pro Bowl. So Desmond Ritter's going to get drafted in the first round. It's just by who. Now, if he outperforms my expectations and he turns out to be a Pro Bowl quarterback, come tell me about it. We'll talk about it. I just don't see it, and I didn't see it against Alabama, and I haven't seen it throughout his career. I just don't trust the dude. But you do, and that's why he's here. You would ask me why Desmond Ritter isn't on this list. At number four, let's talk about Malik Willis, okay? This is the Trey Lance. This is the Carson Wentz. This is the Josh Allen of the Josh Allens in this draft for me. He's a dude who ain't played nobody, who people will call Thule. He has all the tools. He flips his wrist and the ball goes 70 yards. He can absolutely run. But it's also a guy that lost a starting job, or I should say lost a quarterback competition, to Jarrett Stidham at Auburn. And then transferred to Liberty. Okay? I would tell you that's not Cam Newton out there. But again, you'll see what he's done at Liberty. You'll see how the ball comes off of his wrist. And you'll say, we got to take a chance on that guy. And I won't blame you for that. Because if you need a quarterback, you need a quarterback. I think he has a lot of upside. And perhaps the most upside of any of the guys in this NFL draft. But that's what you're drafting. You're drafting a project, okay? The only dude that I saw make that work here in the last 10 years is Andy Reid when he drafted Pat Mahomes. Traded up to draft Pat Mahomes, and Pat Mahomes has turned out to be the Michael Jordan of the sport. If you can pull that off for a second time with Malik Willis, I will give you a standing ovation. I just don't see it. At number three, let's talk about Kenny Pickett, okay? Pittsburgh's Kenny Pickett. Tossed for a bunch of yards at Pitt this year. Broke Dan Marino's record for TDs in a season with 42. The record was 37. It had been there for 40 doggone years since 1981. He's down the street from the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are going to start a quarterback against Kansas City on Sunday that can barely walk. Okay? It's, it's time for Big Ben to get the heck up out of Heinz Field. And perhaps Kenny Pickett is your guy. Okay? He looks good running. He's also got a cannon for an arm, but I'm going to look at you and tell you he's 24 years old. Do you want a 24-year-old rookie when you can get a 22-year-old rookie, when you can get a 23-year-old rookie, okay? 
when Lamar Jackson, I think, is 26, you know? Like, it's just, I don't know that I want to spend a first-round pick on a guy that is going to be 34 in 10 years, right? Who I might not have get the prime of his career except for maybe three years, tops. But perhaps if you're Pittsburgh, you want to take that chance. Or anybody else who's in the uh, conversation for a quarterback in 2022. Okay. Number two on this list, Matt Corral. All right. I can talk myself into Matt Corral. He holds an identical ranking coming out of high school as Jackson Dart. He had the California state record for passing yards in a career with over 11,000. And he showed up to Ole Miss, took the job from John Reese Plumley, and has developed into the kind of quarterback that plays in Sugar Bowls. Now, problem is, when he ain't on, he really ain't on. 2020, he threw six interceptions against Arkansas and threw five interceptions against LSU. That's 11 interceptions in two games. He also played in an offense that just doesn't translate to the NFL, right? Lane Kiffin wants to go quick, fast, and in a hurry. They're going to catch defenses that are misaligned. They're going to not let you substitute, and that's going to mean that dudes are running butt naked open on these post routes and these go routes. I don't trust Matt Corral to sit there at the line of scrimmage and make checks at the line and get his guys out of a bad play and into a good play to throw guys open in really tight windows because in the NFL, everybody's fast. In the NFL, they know how to get a line. I think it's just going to take some time if Matt Corral is to figure it out. Now, he's the dude that I probably trust out of the four that I have mentioned to figure out the quickest. But again, I have to talk myself into it. And number one, the guy that I don't have to do so much talking myself into is Sam Howell. He's the only player here who's draft eligible who we thought was going to be here at the start of the season. We thought we would be joined by, say, a Spencer Rattler, right? That's what we thought. There are a number of guys that we thought would be here that just ain't here. I look at Sam Howell and I see a guy that knows how to rebuild a program, who knows what it means to be a catalyst. He is the turning point for UNC. Led UNC to an Orange Bowl berth. Set records and led the ACC as a quarterback as a true freshman, right? He's playing on a level with Trevor Lawrence at the time. Now, his weapons left last year, right? Guys like Daz Newsome, De'Ami Brown, the two tailbacks, one of which Michael Carter, the other one is Javante Williams. He was out without those guys, and he had to do most of his himself. He still is there. And he still got the tools to be a great NFL quarterback. His hips and his arms work together. He throws in rhythm. He knows what it means to check out of plays and get into plays. He took more ownership of the offense. And he's become a much more vocal leader. And he's about football. Like football, people love to be about football. And Mac Brown told him a story last year on the number one ranked show that I really enjoyed about Sam Howell. He's talking about Valentine's Day earlier in 2021. And Mac was teasing his quarterback about, are you taking some some lady out for Valentine's Day? Taking your girlfriend out? It's like, I ain't got a girlfriend, coach. My girlfriend's football. So so what are you going to do for Valentine's Day? Me and Madden are going to have a good time, coach. Me and Madden are going to play a lot of football on Valentine's. If you're a football guy, if you're a general manager, that's what you want to hear from your quarterback. You want to hear that 
He only is, he only cares about this. In the way that Tom Brady only cares about winning football games. He doesn't care about a whole hell of a lot else. It's only here recently that we see more of his personality because for 20 years, it's about winning football games in New England. Okay? That's what you want from your guy. You want them to not know what movies are coming out. You want them to not play any other video games that aren't Madden. Right? You want them to be about their franchise and to be the CEO of your football team because that's what they're going to be. And you want to hope that you draft a guy that, you know, people like. Doesn't really want to get on anybody's nerves because, again, that's the face of your franchise. And Sam Howell brings that. There's a bunch of people that speak highly of him. They get text messages about what a good guy he is. I think that that's my number one, okay, Sam Howell. I need to add here Carson uh, Strong is probably going to be drafted in the first round on tools as well and production. 4,100 yards at Nevada uh, this past year, 36 touchdowns, only eight picks, 70% completion rate. It's Nevada. And it's the Mountain West, but I tend to think that the Mountain West played pretty doggone good football this past year with San Diego State and with Utah State in particular. To say nothing of what Fresno State was able to do with Jake Hayner, who I expect to be a first-round draft pick in 2023. All right, now I want to talk about the top five players available in the transfer portal. We've seen nearly 2,000 kids enter their names into the transfer portal. Just because you go in doesn't mean you come out. Just because you go in doesn't mean you don't come out at the same team. But... Generally speaking, you enter your name into the transfer portal to transfer. So we're going to work with that as our compass here. Also, timestamps. All right, guys? Recording this on Thursday. If something happens, something happens. Okay? So as of Thursday in the afternoon, these are my top five still available players in the transfer portal. At number five, Oklahoma wide receiver Mario Williams. Number one, I'm going to keep saying where they last played because technically they haven't transferred yet. So Oklahoma wide receiver Mario Williams had 35 catches for 380 yards, four TDs. He's going to visit Texas, which is interesting. But he was one of my favorite recruits coming out as a true freshman because this dude's from Plant City, Florida. And the reason I say he's from Plant City, Florida is because Plant City, Florida had gone nearly 30 years without winning a state championship in baseball. And he's one of the reasons that they won a state championship in baseball, both as an outfielder, hitter, and a pitcher. And he was going to play both sports at Oklahoma. Turned out to be an outstanding wide receiver, but particularly so when Caleb Williams was given the role as a starting quarterback. And you saw what he was capable of in the Alamo Bowl against Oregon. I expect him to be a high commodity. If he ends up at Texas, that's going to be a boon for them. I don't think there is a place in the country that would not want Mario Williams, and that includes Alabama and Ohio State, two places that produce wide receivers like you read about. But he also took a visit to USC, where outside receivers coach Dennis Simmons is. So we cannot count him out of that. Number four on the list, Tulsa's own Defensive tackle, Jackson Player. Jackson Player gets comp to Aaron Donald because he's short and he's powerful. I'm not going to put that on him. I am going to say he is six foot, 290 pounds, okay? Now, there's a difference between being six foot, 290 pounds with your name being Aaron Donald and being six foot, 290 pounds and your name being Jackson Player. But Player is just that, a player, okay? 
2021, he had 50 tackles from the nose guard position, five sacks, and a forced fumble. He was outstanding in 2020, even as Zayvon Collins was getting all the headlines for being the best player at the University of Tulsa in 2020 and a first-round pick. I think among the five that he is looking to transfer to, we're talking about Texas Christian, we're talking about Arkansas, we're talking about Oklahoma State, we're talking about Oklahoma. I think you really have to give Arkansas an edge here because Jermile Ashley was a former defensive line coach at Tulsa. He's defensive line coach at Arkansas. And you got to believe that that's a nice place for him to land because SEC West, you know how I feel about Sam Pittman, huge fan of what Arkansas is going to be. They're a top 10 preseason team for me in my way too early top 25. I also think you got to take a look at Texas Christian on this because Joe Gillespie, the former defense coordinator at Tulsa, is now defense coordinator at Texas Christian. Oklahoma State is always a cool landing spot for defensive linemen who have ties to the state of Oklahoma like Jackson does. And of course, Oklahoma, I think, is, for me, a dark horse here because Todd Bates is the new defensive line coach there. Todd Bates comes from Clemson. And not just from Clemson, from producing the best defensive line in Clemson history and perhaps the last 20 years, right? So his 2018 defensive line was Austin Bryant, Dexter Lawrence, Cleland Farrell, and Christian Wilkins. See, I got it. All of those dudes were All-Americans, okay? Brent Venables is the head coach at Oklahoma. You know what I'm saying? So if you want to be developed, He's got options, and that's what happens when you're as good a player. And quite honestly, we're as good a defensive player because they don't make them that big, that fast, and that powerful as often as they make them short and fast. Okay, Number three, I got tight end Jaleel Billingsley out of Alabama. Okay, Last year, 17 catches, 256 yards with three tutties. For me, the most talented tight end at Alabama since O.J. Howard. And the reason that I do that is because in 2020, Jaleel Billingsley was returning kicks for Alabama as a tight end. He is as big as you might think he is. He also was returning kicks. Reminds me of Keith Jackson at Oklahoma when the old folks talk about Keith Jackson in Oklahoma because that dude returned punts because he would complain to Barry Switzer about not being able to get the ball because they ran a wishbone. He was outperformed by Cam Latou at Alabama, who's returning to Alabama at tight end. Also was second in the country in touchdown receptions as a tight end. Cam Latou can absolutely play, but so can Jaleel Billingsley. And I think if you are in a pass-happy offense, you got to go take a shot at this dude. I really think that his talent is through the roof. I mean, he could go into the NFL draft still because the deadline isn't until next week. But if he decides to transfer to the right place, he could be a first-round pick and a top-ten pick as a tight end. He's that good. Now, he wasn't that good in the national championship game. He dropped some passes. He looked out to lunch. There was one play in particular, the first interception that Bryce Young threw, where I thought that Jaleel gave up on a pass and really hung his quarterback out to dry. But I also think he's a little frustrated because it ain't gone the way that he wanted it to go. But if you can get a shot at Jaleel Billingsley, go get him. At number two, quarterback, USC, Jackson Dart. Okay, so Jackson Dart, come out of Corner Canyon, was the 
National Gatorade Player of the Year. Okay? The other part about that that you need to know is Corner Canyon has produced some kiddos who can sling it. Zach Wilson, you know him, BYU quarterback, first-round pick for the New York Jets. And of late, Ohio State signee Devin Brown. All three of these dudes come out of Corner Canyon. So if you got a quarterback, perhaps you want to take a look at this place in Utah that's just turning them out. But the way the Jackson Dart performed, especially in the latter part of the season, really supplanted him as one of the up-and-coming quarterbacks in the sport. And quite honestly, forced Slovis into uh, the transfer portal to come out at Pitt, where I'm excited to see what he looks like. But I didn't expect Jackson Dart to go into the portal. But when he went in on Monday, we all drew some conclusions, right? Which gets me to the number one player in the transfer portal for me. Caleb Williams, okay? Oklahoma quarterback, Caleb Williams. Brought OU back against Texas and Kansas. And before you want to make jokes about it, it's Kansas. Remember Kansas beat Texas in Austin, okay? Just, I'm just throw that out there. Now, there are bad losses to Baylor and a tough loss to Oklahoma State. But for like two minutes, Caleb Williams was the Heisman frontrunner for 2023 and was getting Heisman consideration or for 2022, and getting Heisman consideration for 2021. Had it ended for him the way it ended for Bryce Young, where, you know, you absolutely torch your opponent in a conference championship game, maybe we're talking about it differently. But obviously, everybody is in on the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, and they should be. He was great coming out of Gonzaga College in high school, which is a high school. He's great at Oklahoma running that power read. I think... The problem that you're going to run into if you have him is if your run game is not going well, he's not the guy to jumpstart your passing offense. He's going to have to continue to help you run the football until he can throw it to dudes that have one-on-one opportunities like he did in the Alamo Bowl against Oregon. However, his former head coach is now the head coach at USC. USC's presumptive number one went into the transfer portal. This was all on Monday. News is, Kayla Williams was in Los Angeles on Sunday. He took in a Rams game, and he took in a Lakers game. He has reportedly visited USC and UCLA. Even I could tell you, one of those is not like the other, okay? Like, no disrespect to UCLA, but you lost Dylan Gabriel to Oklahoma, okay? You got some... Got some work to do before I expect you to land Caleb Williams, okay? Perhaps perhaps you'll just tell him that it's a better academic school, right? Which is true, but also because football players are usually picking schools because of the academic success of one over another. Uh-huh, yeah. That's why all football players go to Northwestern. Like, come on, man. Like, I just... Let's concentrate on USC here is what I'm saying. Until he says otherwise... USC is the front runner now, and I need to tell you, I did not put USC on my first list for Caleb Williams to go to because I assumed Lincoln Riley would have everything he needs in Jackson Dart and Miller Moss. Incorrect, right? Owning that. And now that the number one quarterback at USC is in the portal, yeah, okay, cool. I can see it because with him, you could probably get an avalanche of other players. Not in, uh, Amongst them, my number five on this list, Mario Williams, who, again, 
visited USC and is familiar with Caleb Williams and has said that he wants to continue to play with Caleb Williams. I only think that he's taking the Texas visit in case Caleb decides to do something different, right? I think that those two are going to travel together. I'm also wild interested to see how all this plays out in 2022 at USC. And I just want to, I want to walk this out. Okay. Last year, I said USC has one of the most talented rosters in all of football. And y'all wanted to clown me for it. Fine. Okay. I thought Clay Helton was going to get it done. And a lot of USC fans, it was like, yo, I don't believe in Clay Helton, RJ. I don't know why you're pushing this. Now that I'm like, no, USC is still super talented, and they're adding to it, and they got one of the best quarterback whisperers in the sport, and that dude has won at least 10 games everywhere he's been. Everybody's like, RJ's a hater on USC. What? <laughs> no. You're taking the wrong lessons from this. USC is always going to be talented. Always. It's about are you going to meet expectations set by that fan base that is almost non-existent? All of a sudden, people care when USC's not any good. But they didn't care when Clay Helton won them a Pac-12 championship in 2017. Okay? What I'm saying is, if it doesn't go at USC for Lincoln Riley the way it had been going at Oklahoma for Lincoln Riley, I wonder how long y'all are going to let this man take time to figure this out. That's what I'm saying. And me to you, USC fans, listen to me, all three of you. You better give that man as much time as he needs, and you better give him every resource he needs because he's a doggone good football coach. We can say stuff about leaving Oklahoma, and I have. But the facts are the facts. USC is USC. They're always going to be able to recruit. You got a great head coach. Everything else is up to you, okay? If it doesn't go well in 2022, you wait until 2023 and so forth and so on. You let him be there for as long as he wants to be there. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the number one ranked show. We will be back next Tuesday. And that'll be interesting because the NFL draft entrants will have had all their names in and we'll see all the announcements on Twitter have come and gone. And we'll talk about what that means for the sport of college football, and quite honestly, what it means for these guys going into the NFL draft. All right, that is it for me. Deuces.